Welcome to the Sister Luna Psychic Services Podcast. Um, I... Say your name. Your name? <laughs> Madeline Starchild. Hold on. I normally do the intro, right? Is this our, Is this like a bit we're going to do every time? I don't... No. It's, it's, okay, you do it then. People like the repetition. <laughs> it makes... Do they? <laughs> it, well, no. Like, it's comforting. It's It's... It introduces them to the, the thing, and they're like, okay, this is... It's why, like, shows have an opening credits. It's comforting to know that it's going to be bad every time. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to this Sister Luna Psychic Services podcast with your host, Sister Luna, a.k.a. Madeline. I don't know why the a.k.a. is always a thing. And the cat is... Yeah, she's against it. Okay. This is my co-host, John Fowler. The setup for the podcast, maybe we should start doing that at the top. It should be like, this is the Sister Luna Psychic Services podcast. This is, I'm your host, Madeline Starchild. I'm a hereditary witch. I've been practicing magic for my entire life, so for 30 years, and this and I'm here with my co-host, John, John. Fowler. Yeah. And I am also in the room. <laughs> I I guess the You're my, a my history. I I am a grad. I'm a student of history. I am a participant observer in. Madeline's general general practice, and I come into this as a layman, and so I ask questions when needed and offer insights. And I don't know, I don't know what my role is. I'm the protagonist of the podcast. Well, this is a deep cut, um, but on Shrieks and Geeks, which was the podcast that existed for three episodes and then died but ultimately led to the creation of this podcast my co-host on that show jared smith said something about how when we were talking about supernatural phenomena we needed a air quotations straight man Hmm. to be there to provide an alternative viewpoint on all of the things that we were talking about basically Like, it's more interesting to have a conversation among people who don't all feel the exact same way about the subject. Yeah. Obviously. And which is not to say that, like, all of my opinions are totally straight. I'm certainly a crank in (laughs) a number of ways. But, yeah, I I am the, if not skeptic, the, the outsider voice. Sure. Okay, so we're continuing on this spooky season theme today. With the topic of ancestor magic. I have no... I feel like a lot of our previous subjects we at least had passing conversations about or um, were just kind of like general pop culture icons, you know, like werewolves or Ogopogo or <laughs> the moon. I love thinking about Ogopogo as a pop culture icon. Yeah. Like it's on the cover of Time magazine and... It's It's doing interviews on Oprah. I'm pretty sure it's on the current season of The Masked Singer. (laughs) What's 
What song does it do? Uh, from my understanding of that show, and I only, like, I see clips of it, they do pop songs, but they're all in costumes, so Ogopogo itself being a cryptid is dressed as a different cryptid. Right. It's Ogopogo. It's dressed as, like, a chupacabra or yes. something. We've talked about me leading an episode or two, but chupacabra is one that I'd like to get into. Okay. I said Chupacabra really as more of a shout out to Raven Hawthorne and Ashley White Mountain because they have like this ongoing joke about Chupacabra. Sure. It's basically Raven, fellow witch, potentially future friend of the pod. Uh, every October, she does this fun thing on her Facebook page where she posts a description of a different monster, I guess, and you have to try and guess what it is. Okay. And she does a different one every day for the whole month of October, but Ashley, every time she posts one, guesses Chupacabra, hmm. and she changes it to make it, like, I don't know, it's funny. That's the, like... I never know what the monsters are, ever. Like, I never get one. I think I maybe got one right ever in all the years that she's been doing this. So I don't often even, like, really look and try because I know I'm not going to get it. But I do look at the comments to see what version of Chupacabra Ashley is guessing on each day. Because that's what keeps me coming back is this fake Chupacabra answer every time. Broken clocks, guaranteed to be right. <laughs> yeah, uh, ex- I think that's exactly how it got started. Yeah. She's like, you're eventually going to do Chupacabra, so I'm just going to keep answering that until it's right. Same general principle as the solar system. Excuse me? <laughs> well, you put your marker down on one place, and eventually the sun's going to come around to... Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Neil deGrasse Tyson over here. <laughs> uh, it's a Tony Soprano line, actually. Yeah, okay. That sounds more right. Yeah. I was being sarcastic when I called my, called you like a physicist with that line. I, was... I mean, he was the smartest Italian, so oh, close enough. I'm sure that's not right. Um, we'll fact check it. Very important to fact check whether or not Tony Soprano is the smartest Italian. Okay, so the reason that you probably don't know anything about ancestor magic is because I've never really practiced it much before, which I guess is kind of ironic given the fact that I do have witchcraft in my family, but as far back as that goes, kind of unknown, my mom and my baba, her mom, yes, However, any practice from before that is, I don't know, really, specifically. Mm-hmm. There's, like, hints and rumors in the family about how my great-great-grandmother was, like, a fortune teller. Yeah. Fully, like, nomadic Romani woman who her alias was Rose, which is why that's my middle mm. name. But I, Yeah. I don't have a lot of information about that, and there's certainly no records that I can dig up regarding it because of her lifestyle. So, ah, it's the emoji with the hands up, like, I don't know. <laughs> That's still more like family lore than I've ever had. Really? Oh, yeah. It's, our thing is basically, we're broadly Scottish, 
and there's some farm people involved. Well, I assume some bird hunters. I mean, that's the namesake, but not anyone that we know. Well, when I started musing on the idea of ancestor magic and reading about it, it's like, I don't know. First of all, I've read this amazing article on Afropunk called Black Magic about how black people should practice magic like their ancestors did and they should like reclaim that power and stuff and it was amazing doesn't have anything to do with me obviously but i read the whole article even though it wasn't relevant because it was so good (laughs) so i recommend you go read that (laughs) but um i was thinking about like just the same things that i do that my ancestors also would have done you know Hmm. like skills that you know or that you've like learned, especially skills that you've been passed down by your parents to you. For example, in my case, two good examples are gardening and cooking, which are also two cornerstones of the type of magic that my family has always practiced. My mom taught me how to garden and she also taught me how to cook. And her mom taught her how to garden and also taught her how to cook. So those are two like anchors essentially that I can use in the practice of ancestor magic, which I Mm. think I am going to start trying to figure out because it seems cool. I can't really point to any, any skills passed on in my family. I mean, certainly on my mother's side, there is through generation of nursing, but, um, um, the only skill I think my father had was lying, eat hot chip and lie. But <laughs> could he twerk? No. <laughs> Dude had a horrible ass. So yeah, no, I, I certainly couldn't point to any any hereditary skills that I've developed. But I think the nursing is interesting because it's not a skill that your mom like that your mom taught Meredith, for example, but it is it does speak to a like type of person who just takes on that vocation. Oh, certainly. And it's something that was passed down. Like it's more the, I don't know, the temperament or like the personality is the thing that was inherited rather than mm-hmm. specific knowledge about it. But um, the, on the topic of gardening, it's like today we did harvest pretty much everything in the garden because we're expecting a hard frost tonight. So we had to get it all harvested and even in doing that I was thinking about it and going I'm glad that you were helping me with it because it's a lot of work when you have to do it all at once like right away before the frost sets in Mm. which that's just the energy of harvest season like the last harvest salmon the last harvest like that's what it is get the (laughs) yeah like the harvest the food or medicine or whatever you're growing, get it out, like out of the outdoors or else it's going to die immediately when the frost comes. And so that push to get it all done is something that our both of our ancestors would have experienced at this time of year, just like we are now. It is kind of interesting then, like, I guess not interesting, but obvious as I think about it now, that the two major holidays... Uh, Samhain and, and Beltane mm-hmm. um, on opposite sides of the dial really are, you know, as much as, as they are about honoring the past, 
about survival in the present. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's it's harvest for the winter and then kind of the celebration of surviving the winter. And you would be probably doing some sewing still at that point in the year as well, just first of May, like especially here. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's not much you can really I don't know. The ground needs to not be frozen, <laughs> basically. <laughs> well, soon that, that won't things. be an issue. So. That's true. Soon we will be, like, our climate will actually be lined up with the Wiccan Wheel of the Year because <laughs> it's based on, like, the British Isles, you know? Just they have a much warmer climate there than we have here. Anyway, yeah, in, do- in doing that harvest, I was thinking, like, oh, interesting, the same feeling they would have had. And when I was digging out those carrots and my hands were, like, going numb from cold, <laughs> from handling all these, like, wet, cold thing like carrot tops and stuff I was pulling and I looked over at you and you were just working just like me and like shaking off the dirt and putting the carrots in the thing and stuff and I was like oh like I just felt like oh that's so nice you know (laughs) he looks like so nice helping me with the carrots I just like had a moment about that and then realizing that also would have been it's almost feels like that attraction attraction to that being a thing is is like uh like instinctual yeah exactly it's the same reason why when you're chopping wood when we're camping i'm like yes (laughs) rubbing my hands together like a weird fly and when i was cutting the herbs which was the first thing i started harvesting because i knew we were going to need to harvest them all or they were going to die like be spoiled Mm -hmm. by the frost I remembered, basically heard my mother's voice in my head saying, you can never um, like cut the last sheaf. Like, you can never take the last piece of your harvest. You always need to leave it out of gratitude for the fact that you had a harvest, that the things you planted did grow and come to fruition. And that was like one of the earliest witchcraft things that she taught me was like, you need to express gratitude to the land for the harvest that you're getting so you can never take the last piece like you can't be greedy and reaping your harvest basically and so i wonder how she learned like how many generations back does that line go you know what i mean well i wonder if it is a, a thing that has been kind of like sanitized like because you say it as as a thing that you're leaving for the earth but i know we haven't had an episode on this podcast about Fae, but <laughs> is it something you're leaving for the Fae, or is it something for the Earth, or is it... Well, my mom, in the way that she raised me in the craft, she was never very specific about who things were for. It was always just kind of like for the Earth in general. Okay. It was never specific to a deity or to a fairy or whatever. Non-denominational pagan. Yeah. <laughs> But it, because she did come up in it in the 70s, I mean, it's already in our family, but it had, you know, the neo-pagan thing in the 70s. It does. Like, her practice was influenced by that and does have a lot of, like, Wiccan elements to it. That's it. Like, because just America is the place where religions go to turn, get turned into multi-level <laughs> marketing. Yeah, MLMs. Yeah. That's funny and true. <laughs> Ugh, like yoga and Hinduism. It, I like, mean, went Christianity. That one too. <laughs> but it went from India to America and then back to India. And it got 
uh, like monetized and made into this like scam that turned into all these cults. Yikes. Mm. Okay, we're getting off topic here. So gardening, and then that's linked directly to cooking. So I imagine that those two things would have taken taken up a lot of the time of my ancestral people, especially the women, which it seems like in my family, the practice is passed down through the female line. Mm. Although my great great grandmother who was supposedly the like fortune teller would be my great great grandmother of my like my <laughs> wait my mom's dad's like grandma so it it is on both sides i guess okay so not totally matrilineal no yeah but it seems like more of the practitioners are women i mean my guido my mom's dad was certainly like a woodsman mm-hmm. like he was like a bushman he yeah bow hunted like he didn't even use a gun (laughs) he used a bow like he was kind of a badass (laughs) and so i mean he wasn't maybe necessarily like practicing in the same way where it's oh let's leave an offering for this earth but he was definitely connected to nature and like absolutely would have been in tune with the turning of the seasons and all that type of thing taught me how to fish there's another skill, potentially, that you could look at as an ancestral holdover. Fishing? Yeah. I guess I, I do have a lot of maritime people in my... Mm-hmm. Again, on my mother's side. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Taylor side, they're all Nova Scotians. Anglers? Yeah. <laughs> uh, farmers and anglers. Mm, cool. Yeah. One of the things that I read was, I'm going to do my, I should learn to do the sources either like at the start or at the end, but I'm always afraid of doing it at the end because I'm afraid I'm going to forget. I found some great sources for this though. I already mentioned Afropunk, but I also used the Grapevine TV, the Alchemist Kitchen, which was an article by Minta Carlson and the Mythic Medicine blog. I also found this WordPress blog. Hold on. Druid Garden at WordPress, and they created an ancestor oracle deck. (laughs) And I was like, that is so cool. I've never really been an oracle deck person before because I always kind of viewed it as diet tarot. Which it is. (laughs) Yeah. But the idea of creating an oracle deck of people or like artifacts from your family history is like that makes sense for it to be an oracle deck mm-hmm. instead of a tarot i mean there's instructions on how to do it on the blog it's very cool and actually as i think about it you and i have both used tarot decks as basically just oracle decks just like a single draw yeah i don't know i feel like i always i was kind of a snob about it mm. i mean it's still kind of am a little bit not as badly as i used to be but because oracle decks often have the whole description of the meaning of the card like written right on there on the front there's no need for any like memorization or whatever and i always just considered that to mean that it required less skill right. and less dedication and i was just like i'm too good for this <laughs> i'm gonna use tarot only but i was just yeah being a snob sorry i think an important part is that you were and are still a reader. And there's another skill that is supposedly like in my family, although it was palmistry before mm. and not tarot. And palmistry is really difficult 
I'm like, I did learn it. I know the basics, but it's, that's really hard. That's way more difficult. Like tarot is the oracle deck compared to palmistry because every single person's palm is unique. You mm-hmm. can't memorize all the, do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you can't memorize all the palms because they're all different. You need to be able to understand the core, not just the lines, but the pillars of how palmistry works. Like you need to understand it like you would a language. Remember how you were saying you understand how Spanish works, even if you can't always remember how to say the word or whatever. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the way you need to understand palmistry in order to be a good palmist. You need to be able to make the call based on the rules that you know apply. I don't know. It's just, it's really complicated. Would it be useful to try and do like, like a super quick reading to demonstrate? Palm reading? Yeah. Um, oh, I have a story about that actually. Okay. I was just going to offer up my pawn. Well, yeah, but this is also about that. So I don't know if this has necessarily been explicitly mentioned previously in the podcast, but John and I are engaged. We're not only co-hosts of the podcast, we're in a relationship as well. We're we're (laughs) co-humans. And years ago now, we were at an event where I had been asked to attend and read palms at this one event for free, but I got a free ticket, like two free tickets to the event and whatever. So that's why we were there. And I was practicing my palm reading before the night I had to go on because I wanted to do a good job. And like I said, it's hard. (laughs) So I was looking at my book and I'm using my own hand as a reference, of course. And there's something called the union line. And it's on the outside of the hand on the bottom of the pinky finger. And they say that, you know, if you have one long union line then it means like a marriage and if you have a shorter one it's like either another relationship or like a child or something like some relationship you have with someone that is so key and so important to you do you know what I mean that -hmm. it would count on the union line so it doesn't necessarily have to be a marriage like I said it could be a child it could be anyone that you're that devoted to strong ass friendship yeah exactly and so (laughs) I had been using my own hands to learn palmistry for a long time at that point already. And I knew that I had this weird, like, little kind of faint one always. And I never really, I assume it's my brother because I was very motherly to him for a long (laughs) time. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that was it, always. And then when we were at this event, we hadn't been together for that long yet. It was like maybe six months or something. And I looked at my hand and suddenly I had like a full, now it's much darker actually, Mm -hmm. but I had this line that I never had before. And I was like, oh my God. And you were sitting right there and you were kind of not really watching me, but sitting near enough that when I reacted like that, you were like, you can see John's without him even bending his finger. It's really obvious. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my God. And I was not trying not to give away like what it was. And I was trying to make it so you weren't going to ask me what it was, so I wouldn't have to explain it to you, you know? Yeah. But then I looked at it on your hand, and you also had it, and I was like, oh my god! (laughs) Yeah. That's uh, one of the burdens of being a psychic, I have to say, is that you know things way before it seems like you're supposed to know them all the time, and you can't talk about it. It can mess with your head. 
or you know things about people that you don't want to know about them. If you have a friend who does any type of fortune telling or like psychic readings and you ask them to read for you and they say, I don't want to read for you because I know you too well or something, just say, okay, that's fine. And then go to someone else. <laughs> who do you recommend? Ask them that. Because they probably just don't want to know all your dirty laundry and then have to carry that around with them all the time forever. <laughs> I'm not going to say it's the same as bartending, <laughs> but it's similar. There, I bartend for friends that I wish I didn't have to. <laughs> okay, so back to the ancestor magic thing. One of these blogs I was looking at was talking about a way to connect with your ancestors is by learning something that they would have known, like learning their native language, for example. And when I saw that, I thought, I guess there's probably a reason why every time I talk to someone who has a Ukrainian accent, I automatically like them, even though my family are not Ukrainian enough to have accents. Do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. still like, oh, this person is good. I like <laughs> It's just like in my lizard brain. It's like, this is your family. They're like, yeah. you know, learning the language or learning a skill that they would have known. One example that was given was like an instrument. If you know, like someone in your family, like your great grandfather played the violin or something, then you would maybe want to learn also how to play that in order to connect with them. But the language is more so, like the process of learning how to speak someone else's language, I think is the, makes sense in that being a way to connect with them. It's interesting. I asked my mother a few times about even just like her parents and there, there's very little information that she gives up. Like most of what I have of them are just like memories and reading an ex uh, like the excerpt from a book where my my grandmother was featured as like an interview subject is I got so much more of that and like understood her so much more and beyond that it is I certainly don't know anything other than the basics about my mother's grandparents or like anything further than that. And then on my father's side, of course, it's all just, there's no way of accessing that information for me without like heavy, heavy investigation on my part. Like it would take a lot of work. I'm sure shit not giving my information to one of those ancestry sites. I know. I was going to say that like a lot of the things that I was looking at did suggest that. And as soon as I saw it. On most of them, I was like, okay, I'm not going to use this source. I'll just find another one. Because a lot of them were like, oh, just go on Amazon3.com. And I was like, no. Or they're saying like, oh, I got my DNA done and I'm blah, blah, blah. I'm like, ew. First of all, look, no one gets to know my DNA profile. Yes. Second of all, the whole Ancestry.com thing is like the most white privilege leaning into white, like power thing but oh yeah no, everyone's doing it even though it's like so i find it to be really sketchy and like i'm not a fan i don't know at best it's like phrenology for liberals <laughs> and at worst it's explicitly cia okay <laughs> uh oh my god okay so another like key 
Samhain specific ritual that is for ancestor magic is the Dumb Supper, which is where... Sorry, the what? Dumb Supper. Okay. You set an extra place at your dinner table for your departed loved ones and you put... You, like, put food on their plate and feed them, and then you, like, leave the plate. Usually, the deck, it says to leave it at, like, a three-way crossroads as an offering. And so, I realized if I really wanted to, I could, I mean, I didn't grow the right ingredients this year, I guess. But, in theory, I could use gardening to plant potatoes, and then I could use cooking to turn the potatoes into pierogies and then I could serve the pierogies to my dis like deceased loved ones as their dumb supper, you know? Yeah. Like that's a multi-level ritual and that le like lends so much more power to it. You know what I'm saying? No, I do. Your energy is infused in every single part of that. If you grew if you planted the potatoes you tended them, you harvested them, then you peeled them, you prepared them, cooked them, offered them. It's a lot more powerful. And it's uh, something that's benefiting you all along the course of the preparation for it as well. Like benefiting you spiritually, I mean. Oh, yeah, no. And so I'm like, I got it on principle, but sorry, you're saying done supper or dumb supper? Dumb. Okay, so like that makes me think of the the French film Dinner for Fools, <laughs> uh, which was like remade as Dinner for Schmucks mm. in the Americas, where right. it's just like you you bring some yokel to a dinner, and then like it's like rich people making fun of like how poor. dare you talk about my ancestors? That well, that, that's what I'm thinking that you're saying is no, that I'm like not it, saying it's, that. look at this fucking ancestor of mine, like look at what she thinks. No. Okay. Actually, if you were to go and look at my old blog, which I haven't posted anything on in a long time, but there, I was pretty active on there for a while. Woman of Fairies, WordPress. It's fairies. F A E R I E S. Uh, there's an uh, an article I wrote on there, or like an entry where I talk about how I considered inviting my Guido, the one who I was talking, the Bushman who taught me how to fish. He died. A few years ago on Christmas Eve. Very dramatic of him. <laughs> um, but I considered inviting him to a dumb supper on Samhain, but the more that I felt into it, like intuitively, the more I, f it seemed that he was, he was like, no, I'm, I'm resting, like, leave me alone. <laughs> Basically, I don't want to come to your thing, you yeah. know, don't bother me. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I guess I won't hold one then. Because he was the only, he's the only loved one I've had that I've actually known who's died. I think that is kind of like an important thing to, to recognize is like, you may, if you are interested in ancestor magic, you may have relatives that are and are not interested in it. Yeah. <clears throat> one of the things I kept seeing when I was researching it about why ancestor magic is like superior to other types of magic people are making the argument for that and one of the things that they always mentioned was that your ancestors they're more likely to have a vested interest in you in you and in your success because they are related to you mm. right so they care about you more than 
say a deity or like a, an elemental would care about you. Yeah. Well, that's fair. That's why Mulan's ancestors sent that dragon. That's right. Mushu! <laughs> yeah. They thought they were sending the great stone dragon. Uh, I am the great stone dragon! <laughs> I love that movie. Now we have to watch it. Okay. You did this to yourself. There is a new one. Oh yeah, the live action. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't watched any of the Disney live actions. I just assume they're going to be bad. Yeah, probably. Oh, I wrote a note here about how <laughs> the only, it's like on the topic of your ancestors care about you. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, this is funny because the only Ukrainian phrase that I know is Chakai Patsya, which means wait, pig. <laughs> and that's because my mother used to say it to me when I would go into the kitchen and try to eat the dinner out of the pot before it was like completely done and served. No, nope. uh-huh. She would like smack my hand and say, Chakai Patsya. <laughs> Like, uh, I just want a pierogi. Give it to me. <laughs> How much Ukrainian does your mother speak? Like almost none. That's probably one of the only phrases that she also knows. Which to me says that like <laughs> that is something that is very much generational. Is is <laughs> she heard it from her mother? Who heard it from her mother? And like I, I'm sure those like last two they spoke more Ukrainian. Yeah, but. Her father is the Ukrainian one, not her mother. Oh, well, still. Yeah. (laughs) Thing had sticking power, so. (laughs) She also might have heard it being said to, like, her brothers, too. I mean, not necessarily. No? Well. You don't see Tony in the kitchen, like, trying to eat the food before it's ready? I can see that. They're much bigger boys, but both you and your mother are tiny. You are not Patsyas. Yeah. And yet. Well, I didn't mean... I think it's like... I don't know. She also calls me Patsia when I spill something on myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that to you when you spill stuff on yourself sometimes now. That's mm, true. <laughs> it's only said out of love. I would never call someone a Patsia if I didn't like love them so deeply that I knew they weren't going to get mad. No. You know? <laughs> okay. So... Some advice that I garnered in my research about how to do ancestor magic. One suggestion was to simply open yourself up and say hello. Invite your ancestors to commune with you. Obviously, you need to be in like a meditative state so that you're receptive to any response you might get. You may want to do this within a cast circle. I certainly would, especially the first time that I was doing it because, I don't know, just because you say ancestors doesn't... I mean, I don't know how much faith you have in the power of your words, right? It's always in the in the intention. So if you don't fully believe it's only going to be my ancestors who could possibly answer this call, then you'd better cast a circle for yourself before you do that, I would say, just in case you get someone else. But um, yeah, just opening yourself up and like saying hello and seeing who responds and what they have to say and... You might try doing that with like automatic writing, maybe if that makes it easier for you. And then you can reflect, like look back on what you wrote. You won't have to remember it. Or uh, another way, or you could combine these together is if you have something of theirs 
then you can use that as a way to like hone your intention when you're attempting to contact them. Hmm. Yeah. Like one lady said she has her great grandfather's pipe. I'm sure that kind of that flows both ways too. How do you mean? Like if you knew like say you knew your your great your grandfather was like a very sociable person and you wanted to kind of hone your your ability to socialize or, or to like get you through like a an offensive situation, you would hone your grandfather. You would you would draw on him and focus on him in your meditation to like Right. Yeah. Like if you know that they were like a friendly person who exactly. got yeah. along with everyone. At first I was like, Mike, you know, wasn't very friendly. Like I said, he lived in the woods on purpose. <laughs> he was, that's not the person you want to call on for a social yeah. interaction. <laughs> Which kind of a dear. My yes. grandfather was. And oh, okay. Right. I, like I told you this story last week, but as well tell it on God. My grandfather had pictures of, you no. Know, we live in Calgary, and he lives in Montreal, which is four time zones away. But he would visit once a year, once every two years. He had pictures of all my neighbors up in, in his house, like neighbors that I barely even knew, but that I recognized. And it was because he would walk around the neighborhood every single day that he was at our place and just, like, like talk to people. And, yeah, that is a... You just make friends with everyone. Yeah. That's uh, a <laughs> someone who I'm definitely not yet, but it'd be nice if, if I could like and people would like me back that much. Trade pictures. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you could do that then. You could try to, like, oh, it would be interesting, especially because of social interaction is sometimes something that kind of just comes at you and you can't necessarily be prepared for it. If you had something of his that was like relatively small or wearable or something, then you could just like hold on to it. That would be cool. That would be so good though. Like the key to their house or something, you know? I mean, he had a lot of medals. Medals? Oh, from the war. Yeah. Well, yeah, then one of those would be perfect. Yeah, carried it lost his leg defending Holland. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> and Holland still standing. It's <laughs> still there. Yeah, you know it's legal in Holland. What? <laughs> it's legal here too. Oh, that's right. <laughs> um, but you could make a charm bag with like one of his medals in it, and maybe you know a carnelian or some other things there that would also help with socialization, and you could carried around with you and if you find yourself in an awkward social situation you can just stick your hand into the pocket of wherever it is that's magic sometimes it's that simple just need to steal one of those medals from my mom i'm sure you could just ask or steal <laughs> oh yeah okay so another important point that i found which um it's worth mentioning for sure is that Ancestor-focused magic is an option that helps you um, get away from any, hopefully, unintentional, like, cultural appropriation that might be occurring in your craft, because so many aspects of the way that witchcraft became popular before, and even to some extent now as well, 
it's like it was the 70s nobody gave a shit about whether or not burning white sage was allowed or where they bought it from or anything like that right so if you look at like if you're white is what i'm saying right or you're not indigenous or whichever like in canada Mm -hmm. it's a lot of indigenous like spiritual practices have been oh everyone who's wearing uh we are the witches you could not burn shirt right now is a wasp or at least tail from them yeah but okay so my point is that you could look at your ancestors and what did they do say for example when they wanted to cleanse a space if they lived in like England, they probably didn't burn sage. <laughs> they probably used a besom or maybe they burned like bay or juniper or something that actually grows there. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think that's like an interesting point. And it's contrary to the other side of modern practitioners of ancestral magic, which is that a lot of people <laughs> I saw were basically saying, well, if you don't know who like where your family's from and you can't find out just remember that we're all descended from like one african lady basically in like the cradle life in africa all humans like she's an ancestor of everyone's whoever she was and i was like well (laughs) i mean (laughs) i guess it's technically correct but i don't know if that's great in a practice sense you know it definitely like it lends itself to people going full dolls it's kind of what i mean yeah it's like you're not you have no experience with what being black actually is yeah so you basically have no like business doing that (laughs) it's kind of how i feel about it i don't know Mm -hmm. but i do think it's powerful no matter who you are to connect with the um spiritual practices of your ancestors if you are if you fuck with that kind of thing (laughs) i think it's i don't know i think it's useful it's interesting it's potentially enriching to your practice and like no matter who you are is my point for example in canada when they have so many well not so many but there are they're creating more and more programs about not losing like indigenous skills You know what I mean? Like teaching people how to do finger weaving or whatever, you know, like these skills that their ancestors had, like trying to hold on to those and keep them, keep them within the practice of those people. Like I think that people are probably gaining a lot from that. And there's a, shit, I should have looked into this more, but there was a program or I think it was like recovery from addiction, but the whole, it was all centered around like traditional native spirituality and like traditional practices. Yeah. And it was way more effective than any other program that was run for that. Hmm. I looked at, I read that so long ago. I don't remember the specific st- statistics, but I do remember remarking on how like significantly better the numbers looked anyway, based on that thing I was reading. I don't know how to quite how quite to put this, but basically, like since the certainly since like the post-war era, but even kind of 
previous to that, like in the industrial era, things were changing and moving at such a rapid pace that like just in order to fit in and be involved, a lot of these traditional practices were like cast aside. And so, you know, certainly prior to this, like indigenous practices were like being gutted, but really like there was a lot of kind of like broad practice of beliefs even in the Americas prior to like the 1900s. And they were all kind of shunted as industrialization moved in and then like the wars and everything and the rapid, rapid growth of what would become the surface economy um, in the post-war period. And if through all of that, like what little, like the very broad band of what was allowed for traditional practice in the Americas was completely like blotted out. And so in the historical records, it all but doesn't exist, but those of you listening, those of us in the room, I'm sure that there was a lot more esoteric or like magical practice than is in any kind of like written history. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, because I mean, it happened a lot more recently um, in Canada, but it also happened in lots of other parts of the world where people were practicing earth-based faith and they got stomped on. Yeah. Stomped out. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. Well, I, I think even like, because your Ukrainian family came in like pre-World War II. Um, so they, they were practitioners of like different kinds of, of alternate religion and, and like original practices. Whereas like the broad Ukrainian community in Canada is Christian as fuck. And yeah. Ukrainian Orthodox. Fascist. Like, <laughs> let's, we'll be real. <laughs> fascist? Holy fuck. I mean. Why are you looking at me like I'm supposed to know something about this? I have no idea about fascist Ukrainians. Oh my god. So there was a, uh, a statue, a monument to a Ukrainian SS division. Oh my god. That was vandalized in Edmonton. Edmonton? Vandalized in Canada last month. Oh. And the U- the official Ukrainian community of Canada was outraged. Really? That this monument to literal Nazis was defaced. But my family having been, they weren't even really Ukrainians, probably. If they were nomadic Romani people, who knows? Who knows how many generations that they were in the Ukraine for? I don't even know. Yeah. Right? That's and what I mean. And they certainly is, wouldn't have is, been is on they, the... Yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't have had the option to be on the side of the fascists. You know? No, they fled the country because no, of them. <laughs> That's what I mean. But also, it's a point of pride in my family that you'll see a number of Ukrainian people who are named Bodnar because they dropped the Chuck. Yeah. My mother's name is Bodnar Chuck. And the it's... Like, that's the Ukrainian-sounding part of it. It's Chuck, mm. right? So it's like, they dropped it, and they're like, oh, we're not... Don't worry about it. 
we're German or we're like, whatever, don't worry about us. You know what I mean? Like the implica- the assumption or the implication when I heard the story was that it was dropped out of like fear by others, but that my family was like, so brave that they refused to drop the check. <laughs> But like you said, they fled the country, so maybe they didn't need to. You can all them check if you want. Well, that's why when we were talking about if we were going to make up a new name, and I was like suggesting that we combine our mother's maiden names, because neither of us are big fans of our dad's, I was like, well, it can't be Bodner Barry, because it needs to be something Chuck <laughs> if mm-hmm. we do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I think that's pretty much everything I have for Ancestor Magic. Didn't we settle on Chuck Berry? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> I'll cut it out. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> this is real right now. You can say as many slurs as you want. Oh, my God. I don't say slur. Oh, I say you cunt. S- Does that count? <laughs> I think you're allowed to if you're a... If you're a woman. You know. If I'm a cunt. woman. I also call people, like, I won't call people it, but I'll I'll use the word dyke as well. And a gr- another girl, also bisexual, who I know, Sarah, she's probably not listening, but whatever. She said, this is a quote from her, she said that she uses that word sometimes too. And she said, I feel like you're allowed to use any word that you've been called. Like, if right. someone's called you that, then you're allowed to use it as much as you want, basically. I was like, oh, yeah, I like that. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Can I use it for a second? to, Or I can just say the D word. That's easier. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, I just saw, like, like a, someone posted a bunch of Twitter screenshots that was, like, it was some, this woman that, like, had used the D word. Yeah. And then, like, a young like a, a person responding to her and she was like, you're bisexual you cannot use the word D. What? And the person, like the woman responded to her like, lol, have you ever even been to a deep merch? <laughs> <laughs> and then the other one said like, uh, I'm 16 and my parents like, don't let me go to things like that. I'm 16. Yeah. yeah. And so it was just like, okay, shut the fuck up and stop being the regulator of everyone. <laughs> no kidding. That was like that one group that I was in. Oh my God. Bisexual witchery, I think it was called or mm. something. And at first I was like, ooh, yeah, this sounds great. And then I got in there and I was like, what the fuck kind of garbage fire is this? Like people were just on there waiting for anything to get mad about, like to try and cancel people over things. And I was just fuck am I even looking at one woman posted now I wish I had could remember specifically what it was basically she had spoken to a friend of hers who was an indigenous man who lived in the United States and he told her like previously to this he prefers the term American Indian that's what he identifies as so in her post about him she was calling him an Indian And people got so fucking mad. Like, there was, like, a hundred comments on this, at least, post of people, like, chewing this woman up. Who was just being... She was basically saying, like, my friend told me this and that about, like, what he thinks about my, like, spirit guides or something. I don't remember. But... And and all these people are freaking out. And she, like, even added, like, at the bottom of the post, 
I use this word because he yeah. told me to use it, basically. But then she writes, like, I still apologize and I won't use it anymore. And I was like, no, that's like, yeah. now you're actively going against the wishes of the very person you claim to be trying to protect. Yeah. Like, shut your mouth. I just made me so fucking mad. <laughs> and then I, that was like the last straw of a bunch of things similar to that in that group where I was like, okay. I just kept, I started basically trolling until I got banned. Yeah. It was worth it. It was because people kept saying, like, again, it was so intense about that. And someone posted a thing asking question about chakras. And then, again, all these people are getting all over them. Like, you can't talk about chakras. You can't use chakras. Those, that's a Hindu, like, religion. You're appropriating Hinduism. And I, I got on there and I was like, hi, just finished a yoga program in India taught by Hindu Indian people, <laughs> like yeah. just chiming in. Chakras are active in everyone's body all right. the time, yeah, so shut there. up. <laughs> like you're an idiot. Only brown people have chakras. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, not to mention that, like yoga has been practiced all over the world now for so many years that it's not like it's not still a Hindu tradition and it like originally. But I mean. Come on, you're really gonna get all over someone over doing their sun salutations? Like, fuck off. <laughs> it's really stupid. It's the point where you become so woke that you start believing in race science. Literally, like, that's what it was. Yeah. The thing, the post that I made that got me banned from the group was that I posted. So, who here thinks that you should only ever practice any type of like magic or activities or traditions that correspond with your historical background or race. And they were like, they didn't even let anyone comment on it. The admin was like, get the fuck out of here. We don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I was like, okay, They're bye. Like, <laughs> Long ago, all the races lived in harmony. <laughs> then the fire nation attacked. Yeah. <laughs> For real. Oh, Zuko's like my favorite character too, and he's a Fire Nation guy, so whatever. Don't vilify the Fire Nation too much. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, tarot is Italian in origin. Are only Italian people allowed to read tarot cards? No. It's just stupid. I don't know. As much as I. Sorry, I was thinking about just like Tony Soprano in the tent. <laughs> Reading tarot cards? Yeah. It says, yeah, you got the hanged man. I can't do a Tony Spark, no. That's okay. I, I probably shouldn't do the accent at all. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's probably okay for you to not try to do right. the impression of Tony Soprano reading tarot cards. But if you're listening at home and like you know the Sopranos, just use your imagination <laughs> and, like, chuckle along. Um, yeah. Like, it's... It's stupid. But I will say, cultural appropriation is a real thing that definitely happens. Yeah. But those people are actually doing a disservice to the actual defense of people's <laughs> historical practices. And, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it gets to the point where it's it comes all the way back around again, <laughs> you know? And it's the same with, like, being spiritual or being, like, whatever. It's like you get... 
to the point where you meditate so much that you then convince yourself that you're divine and now you're better than everyone else. And it's like, oops, you now you're back restarted. Like you, yeah, it's a problem. It's very easy to become a crank. And yeah. here's the one thing that you do know about your ancestors is they were never so crank as to prevent themselves from procreating because you're here. Okay, well, thanks for listening. Sister Luna says, Why not try to connect with your particular ancestors this Samhain season? If you happen to be reaping your last harvest, it's an opportunity for you to reflect on the way that your ancestors would have felt while they were reaping their last harvest. Blessed be. Hasta luego. <laughs>